0: Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Podcouch, where we talk about all things parenting and mental health. Today, I have on a super, super special guest that I am thrilled to get to talk about all the things. Um, She's got a really impressive and long bio that's worth listening to. So I'm going to set up. My guest, Rebecca Rosen, as the internationally acclaimed bestselling author, spiritual medium and speaker who has made it her mission to open the line of communication between the spirit world and our day-to-day world. Rebecca's spiritual journey began as a college student struggling with depression and a debilitating sleep eating disorder. Following months of therapy and medication, Rebecca finally out of desperation began to pray. On one particularly unremarkable day while sitting in a bookstore, she felt compelled to write in her journal. That's when her deceased grandmother, Babe, answered her prayers and Rebecca was flooded with words that she involuntarily transcribed or channeled, not even realizing what she was doing. The handwriting was Rebecca's, but the words were her grandmother's. Because she herself was skeptical, Rebecca asked for proof that what was happening was real. Grandma Babe told her three specific things she wanted Rebecca to share with her father, who was Grandma Babe's son. All three turned out to be true and were things only her father and Grandma Babe could possibly know. For the next 18 months, Grandma Babe was Rebecca's guide, giving her life lessons and even predicting specific personal events that would later come true. At the end of this time, her grandmother told Rebecca to fulfill her life's purpose, and ultimately to help others. Her incredibly accurate and detailed readings have amazed and empowered clients and led Rebecca to national media media experiences on everything from the Dr. Oz show and E! Fox and Friends, Dr. Phil, and on and on. In addition to her three prior books, her latest book, What's Your Heaven, is out right now. That's what I'm here to talk to Rebecca about. She also has a podcast called Small Medium at Large, which explores many facets of our connection with team spirit on the other side. In these episodes, Rebecca interviews fascinating guests, shares messages from spirit, and offers some of her own tools and resources to strengthen our intuition. That was a lot, but so impressive. Welcome, Rebecca. Yeah.
1: Thank you. It's so great to be here.
0: It is so great to have you. There's something that's not in your bio. I'm going to start with this, that you're really open about and you talk about in What's Your Heaven, that I I kind of want to set the groundwork for. So we're just going to dive right in right now. Obviously, you have a really unique gift and a connection, um, but you also have unique losses And you talk about the role that suicide has played in your life, in your family's lives. Can you share that just so that the listener understands that piece of you, which I think actually is so important?
1: Yeah, no. And I appreciate you wanting to talk about this because this truly is one of the inspirations behind why I keep doing this work. So mental health issues run in my family. And the truth is... When I was 20 years old, discovering I was hearing dead people, I started to think maybe I have some mental health issues. It turned out that wasn't so, but I explored it. My grandmother, Babe, who you mentioned in the bio, she suffered from postpartum depression, you know, back in the eighties. They did shock therapy treatment 20 times, fried her brain. She was not, uh, never the same. And so she took her life when I was just 10 years old. Well, then fast forward, you know, several years down the road, my father, Shelly, also struggled with bipolar depression and it was never diagnosed until the very end. He had attempted suicide. That's kind of what set me on this path because that's when my sleep eating started because I was stuffing my feelings around what was going on back home. You know, I'm here, here I am at college. My parents are struggling. My dad had tried to kill himself. And so I used food as my drug and unconsciously would sleep eat. So he managed to get the proper medical help he needed, um, professional help. And he was great for about 10 years until he started self-medicating again. He got very spiritual, was meditating like, I don't know, five hours a day, which was a little, little bit extreme. He ended up taking his life. And so we're seeing more and more in this everyday world right now you know, the talk of suicide. It's not so taboo anymore. It's a real illness like any other illness. And so I really feel called for both, you know, to help the living, but also to be a voice from the other side for all the spirits who once they did take their lives, they woke up and they re-remembered. So many important truths around this, and I do go in depth in the book about this.
0: I really never knew that I would read one of your books and really feel compelled to talk to you about them. This is the second one that I've read. I have always had a connection with spirituality. My godmother was also a psychic for a living. And I spent a lot of time with her and, um, she was, was, is an incredible influence on my life. She's, she passed away when I was young. This is what I find really hard to put together. So the spiritual side of me wants desperately to believe what you talk about a lot with your soul contracts. And then the mental health side of me says, but we're in a mental health crisis. We're seeing depression and suicide. So on the rise and so I don't know that you believe in coincidences, but is this a coincidence? How how does this work or more soul contracts agreeing to this? Like what's happening in the mental health crisis in the world? How do you make sense of it from your lens? Wow. I could talk for an hour just on this. So
1: sometimes it is part of a soul contract. Okay. So for instance, in my family, one of our life lessons or life assignments. And it's a, it's an intergenerational pattern is mental health issues, suicide. I was able to break the chain of that dysfunction and get the proper help I needed in order to, that's why grandma, babe came to me. Let's heal this because if you heal your own trauma or pattern, you heal generations forwards and backwards. Okay. So for me, personally. And for a lot of people, it's part of your soul contract. And what that means is it's the life you prearranged before you were born. Okay. So it's a loose blueprint of all of the lessons you're going to tackle before you reincarnate into a body and come into planet earth. For others, it may not be. Okay. So suicide can be a very high probability or likelihood given a situation like that. But for some people, it, it wasn't predestined. It wasn't part of their contract. But because of what's happening on the planet right now, they are feeling desperate. They are becoming fragmented. And what happens is when we don't manage our energy well on a holistic approach, mind, body, spirit, our energy gets fragmented. And what that means is is that we aren't in our bodies, okay? We're kind of numb, going through the motions, sleepwalking through life, but we're not fully embodied. And when that happens, we become vulnerable to outside negative energy or dark entities or forces, which is very real. We have to be in our body to protect ourselves, especially if we are prone to mental illness. Okay. And so I think more and more people, because of all the fear on the planet, with all the anxiety and all the the unknowns, and you just see what's going on in the world, there's a lot of darkness. And so we don't always feel safe. So we leave our bodies. And so I'm really big on, okay, let's do self-care. It's like spiritual hygiene and it's super important. And so I'm really big on empowering people, not only to trust their own intuition, but to use their spiritual tools out of this, you know, we have many tools that we can put in our toolbox. And so I go into depth in the book also on things people can do so that they stay in a healthy,
0: balanced mindset holistically. Mm-hmm. I found reading this particular book, there were so many parallels between mental health, psychology, you talk about epigenetics, as well as then the spirituality piece. And I just thought, are we all pretty much talking about the same things, but just from our lens, right? Exactly. Like Exactly. I call it transgenerational trauma, and you might call it, I don't know how you would put it, but sort of that spiritual trauma that gets handed down, Right.
1: Yeah, it's the same thing. It's, it's kind of the spiritual hand me downs that we get from our ancestors, mm-hmm. but it's the same exact thing. And you typically see the patterns running through families. And so that is the epigenetics. But, you know, a lot of times we're here to each, what I've been finding is each generation that's incarnating is becoming a little bit wiser. And so even though we might be younger, we're here to teach our elders. Okay. So a lot of kids being born onto the planet right now are very enlightened beings. I like to call them earth angels who are here to show us a different way. And it's coming back into alignment with our higher selves and with the frequency of love and truth versus being run by fear. So in the book, I put in Dr. David Hawkins. He wrote the book, Power Versus Force. And there's a scale of consciousness and it really is all of the emotions from the bottom of the totem pole being you know shame and victimhood and then you know it's all fear based emotions and to the top which is love and oneness and enlightenment and everything in between and so we are here as you know spiritual beings having this human experience and we are here to every day we have the opportunity to choose Okay, So are we choosing, are we showing up to our lives and making choices in the frequency of love and light or fear? And so you really, that means you have to be conscious. Again, you can't be sleepwalking or just operating based off the epigenetics, what's been passed down to you. So we are here to wake up. And so all these younger souls are coming onto the planet, showing us to bring us back to raise the vibration, our own personal vibration, but the collective vibration of the planet back to a higher
0: state of love and light. Yeah, I had this. And by the way, when you said, no, you go ahead. Like, this is exactly what I was going to ask you about. That's so what happens I like when it. you talk to a psychic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you talk about Dr. Hawkins, you talk about this scale of consciousness. And I did have, I actually remember when I read that part, I was dropped off my boys in a camp up by Estes Park. So I was driving down this beautiful road, and I was listening to this section. This was over the summer. And um I had the thought of like, oh, I have a new appreciation for the words like, yeah, I didn't like their vibe or I love their vibe. Like we think this is slang. We use these words. But what you're really, I think, translating for us is that no, really, you actually do mean vibe for vibration and mm-hmm. that we do have these different frequencies. And it's been really impactful to me on how I show up. If I'm showing up tired or angry or a little resentful, I'm literally thinking to myself, I must have a really low frequency right now. And I really want a better one. It gets, it's another tool, whether you believe that you're a psychic medium, that you can do all of these things. There's so much wisdom though, that you have to share on being human. Like if I were going to rename the book, I might rename it like on being human, how to be human. <laughs> So can you explain that for, for anyone who doesn't understand that? Can you talk about like our energy and how that Absolutely. shows up? So
1: the place I always like to start, whether you're a total skeptic or a complete believer, this is really important. And it's just facts. And the fact is everything is energy. Okay. That's science. And energy doesn't die. We know that. It just changes form. So, you think of the state of water. It can be an ice cube in one state, you know, turns into water, turns into vapor, okay, and different frequencies, different vibrations. And so, we are electromagnetic electromagnetic beings having this experience where everything is about attraction, right? So, we vibrate at certain frequencies and then We are a match to outside energy that it's basically a reflection back to us. So everything in this 3D world is a mirror back to us of our own thoughts, beliefs, and our energy, our vibration. So that's when you hear about the law of attraction. It's the same thing. We're all kind of saying it in our own unique ways, but it's just matter of fact. And so there's this quote I'll I'll never forget. Oprah had a guest on, Dr. Jill Bolte. She talked about she had a near-death experience. She's a neuroscientist. And she was talking about one of the most important things she came back with is that this quote, be responsible for the energy you bring into the, into the space, because our energy affects everyone around us and everything around us. And so again, are we choosing to make choices from the frequency of light or shadow? And that shadow, I'm sure you talk about this all the time in your work, but it's that ego part of us or the fear-based parts or the frightened parts of our personality? Or are we going to be healthy and whole and healed, or at least intentionally working on that every day and intentionally choosing to show up in those higher frequencies? And so really that's our responsibility. It's to do our work to every day, try and do and be a little bit better. And with the intention, we're not perfect. We're perfectly imperfect right? I call this earth school. We're here to learn, make mistakes, but to really learn from those
0: mistakes with the intention to do and be better. I don't know if people would realize, and and maybe I came to a better appreciation for this, but you being a psychic and me being a psychologist, there's really so much that we have in common. So you keep saying something that I Talk to kids about, families, adults, which is there's a, I mean, thought theory or or way of looking at emotion that says we have only two primary emotions. We function out of love or fear. And that's it. It's not love or hate, it's love or fear. And everything stems down from that. All the other feelings, 50 feeling words you could put down, they're either in the love category or the hate category. And I've had a lot of people say to me, that's really a helpful reframe to think of it that way because let's say you yell at your kid and then later on in the, you've been feeling guilty about it all day and then later on in the day you want to go back to it instead of just saying you know I shouldn't have yelled at you this morning and you know I was just you know running running late and you can do that um which is a great start and you can deepen that by saying I yelled at you this morning because I was functioning out of fear my fear was if you were late to school once again people would judge me for being a bad parent right like that's going like way deep and i fear um, being judged. I fear looking like a bad parent, whatever it might be. And the other thing you talk about that's so similar is I'll say, so sometimes when I'm consulting, let's say in a classroom with a teacher, there's a behavioral problem, or it's my client that is causing a lot of problems and I'll go into a school and I'll say the best way to change the dynamic of this room is to find the person, this is the way I say it, who holds the greatest energy and you go straight to them. That could be someone doing something positive. It could be the kid who holds the energy in the space. That's who's going to shift it. They are the dominator. And so I'll say this is a process of entrainment, right? So I don't know what you think about those things, but that's how I talk in my lingo. But I think we're saying the same things. We're saying the same thing. And I love that you just brought up entrainment
1: because in my world, the way spirit brings it through is that somebody is a frequency holder. Okay. So they're purpose truly is to hold higher frequencies of joy and peace and unity consciousness and love and light that really, you know, one person in their aligned higher self state can affect millions of people. And so we are saying the same thing. And what's happening because the veil is thinning between heaven and earth is that, you know, I'm doing so many readings where spirits are coming through saying, wake up and figure this out. Cause it's really simple. Everything comes down to love or fear. And really, that's why this book is called What's Your Heaven? Because the lower frequencies uh, that we're talking about on the scale of consciousness are likened to hell. And the higher frequencies are likened to heaven. And heaven is not a place. It's a it's a feeling, it's a state of being. It's where we vibrate. And so we can choose to live our heaven now, we don't have to wait till we die, or we can be in a living hell if we keep choosing out of the shadow and the fear. And so that's the empowering piece. It's like, all you have to do is like wake up to that truth and then choose differently. And then you'll start to see your life, you feel different, which means you're going to start attracting different things and different people. And then life starts to become more magical and less pain and struggle and suffering. And isn't it funny
0: how we use these terms? Again, we use terms like, oh, you know, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, whatever it might be. I went to the mountains, I went to the ocean. Oh, it was just heaven. Right? We use those terms because we think, you know, we know what we're trying to convey. It was, it was amazing, it was relaxing, it was just perfection. Um, and I think what you're here to tell all of us to awaken us to is that yes, and that actually is not just a coincidence. It's not just a nice place where you were relaxed. There's actually science that was going on to make it feel like heaven on earth. Exactly.
1: You know, whatever, and that's going to look different for all of us. I have spirits come through saying their heaven is there in Las Vegas. To me, that's a hell, but that's (laughs) because of my empathic, sensitive energy. For other people, it is their heaven or the beach would be more my idea. And so when we're in those experiences, they light us up and they literally lighten us up. They raise our vibration, our frequency. So when we get, that's why it's so important to incorporate things that light you up, okay? Being with people who light you up, raise your vibration, make you feel heavenly. I mean, that ultimately is how we stay healthy, both you know, physically
0: and mentally. Yeah, I mean, it's just the more we talk about it, the more, I think what I get out of it is sort of like demystifying the work that you do. Because I, I think that, you have such a strong following and the people who follow you and believe that's strong. And I'm sure you feel, I mean, probably similar. You have a higher volume, but the feeling of like, when people see you, they're desperate, they're in grief, they're in pain, they're in sorrow and they look to you as like, please help me. That's probably a higher acuity than what I feel, but I feel the same way. We're both healers in our own ways. We're saying so much of the same things. We just happen to have like a different gift or a different lens. You know, one of the things that I have wanted to know for a while, and people ask me this too, but I I think I can get a better clear clarity around it from you, is I'll teach kids when they're like in middle childhood or so like about trusting their gut right? So I'm doing this for safety. I'm doing this for abuse safety and for consent and boundaries. And we talk a lot about like trusting your gut is the most important thing, Mm -hmm. but people will say, how do I know what my gut is? And even at times I'll say, I cannot differentiate. I don't know what's my gut or what I'm talking myself into. So Mm. how do you guide people around that? First of all, we're all born
1: with intuition. We all have it. It's a muscle though. And you have to You know, first acknowledge that it's there and then work with it, develop it. And the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And the more you, the more spirit will start, your higher self will start using it to help you. You know, it's that internal GPS system. Okay. That we can call on. We're all wired differently. So some of us are more body types. Some are head types and some are heart types. And so what does that mean for a body type? Somebody who's going to get a gut feeling. That's going to be how your in- intuition comes to you. For some people um, who are more emotional, heart types, you know, they get this overwhelming feeling just kind of like taking over like emotions. And and then there's the head type where it's going to come through kind of more like a cognitive, okay, something that keeps coming back to you. So the bottom line is this. it We all have a mind and that mind loves to analyze. It loves to go into logic and reason. And that puts us into the frequency of doubt. But if we can just suspend doubt long enough to open up to the possibility that this is real and that we do have this intuitive gift, that's where the magic happens. And so what I really simplifying this, what I like to tell people for all of us, the difference between determining some what's a mind thought and what's a divine thought. So a mind thought comes to you and it's trail. Do you think one thing leads you to another, leads to another, and then you come to a conclusion versus a divine thought? You're not thinking about whatever this is. And all of a sudden, it pops into your head out of the blue. It's simple. It's fast. It comes and goes. The divine thought is always coming from, you know, whether it's your team and spirit, your angels, your spirit guides, your departed loved ones, or your higher self's knowing, your intuition. And so it's really just a matter of starting to be present because when we get intuitive hits, it's always going to be in the moment. So if we're lost in thoughts of the past or worrying about the future, we're going to miss it. And the same goes with signs coming from the other side. You have to be present to pick up on the signs. And the reason spirits love to give us signs is because it, it, we get excited. It's like, wow, that was such a miracle or synchronicity. And then the more we get, it deepens our faith and trust, not only in our intuition, but that we're not alone, that we do have a, what I call team spirit made up of all your loved ones around you. And so it's really just a practice. It's an everyday practice of starting to just open to that possibility and tell the universe, okay, show me signs. Help me, you know, be in tune with my intuition. And the last thing I would say, how do you do that? Prayer and meditation. It's that simple. Because prayer is you, you have free will. And so what you're doing is saying I invite in something bigger than myself. What, whatever you want to call it, divine spirit, source, god, love, and I open to receive. Be with me, show me signs, help me get an intuitive read on this situation or whatever that is. And then meditation is getting out of your head, getting out of the way, making space for spirit to respond or your higher self, your intuition to download. And so again, that in and of itself, there's a million ways you can meditate. It doesn't have to be formal. It certainly didn't start out that way for me. I didn't even know what any of this stuff was back you know, 25 years ago when this started. And so it can be go for a walk, get grounded, get present, breathe, get into your body and set an intention. I'm open to whatever magic or miracles are available to me, whatever intuitive guidance I can receive and then let go and just get into a moving meditation, perhaps. I think that's the easiest way for people to start. And for other people, they like to just sit quietly and close their eyes and focus on their breath and see what. What arises.
0: So what it requires is what's very difficult in a loud, fast-moving world, which is to slow down, acknowledge and recognize what it is you need, ask for what you need, and then have this incredible awareness. Just look for things. I really could talk to you forever. I want to talk though. I want to make sure that I get to First of all, I want to just say two quotes that I read that I read in the book that I want to repeat, which I think are so great. When you can name it, you can tame it. I love that. And you need to feel to heal. Love both of those things. Anything you want to say about either of those quotes? Because I just love them.
1: Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is, is being able to identify whatever it is your, your lesson is, your struggle, so that you can then you know, again, fully feel it, you know, you first got to feel it before you find meaning in it, but fully lean into it because whatever we resist persists. And so what the best advice spirit has given me is just lean into whatever that is, just embrace it and try and just be neutral with it without judgment. We're so quick to judge it, label it right, wrong, good, bad. That's such a 3D way, earthly way of looking at things right? In that polarity. But instead, just get curious, be kind of neutral. And then that struggle starts to soften. And eventually it will, you know, it will be healed because you're you're leaning into it and it dissolves.
0: How about we end with you? I love this. You touched on EFT and tapping. And I love to give people some takeaways and this is something that apparently I didn't know maybe you do in your world we do in ours which is emotional freedom technique i'll let you describe it and and maybe you can let people know like how could they start just practicing it even on a just sitting in a car kind of thing like just it's something yeah. easy to do so share with people what that is cuz i'm so fascinated that you were talking about it
1: yes um this is a really simple tool that we can all do um So EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, or tapping, it's basically, it's based on the combined principles of ancient Chinese acupuncture and and modern psychology. It's a very effective tool to shift your energy um, by releasing emotional toxins and false beliefs from your energetic system. You know, there's a whole way to do it, which I outline in the book okay, a formal way of tapping on certain meridian points and repeating certain affirmations. So first being, again, being real about how you feel, doing a round of those points of just saying, look, this is the truth of how I feel. And it's okay. There's no judgment. It can be negative. But then moving into where you want to go, how you choose to feel, opening up again, moving up that vibrational um, scale of consciousness. Into a more a place of neutrality, but also then to the objective, which is to feel lighter, better, freer. I'll I'll just leave your listeners with this. My seven year old daughter, she was dealing with a lot of anxiety. She's too young at this point to really have her do the tapping on her own, so we would do it together. But I told her, when you're at school and you're feeling really unsafe, here's what you do. Um, It's called the gamut point, and it's in between the the pinky finger and the ring finger, and it's on the top of the hand. And you just take three of your um, fingertips and you just tap on it and you just keep saying, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. So I would tell her, just say, I am safe. I am loved. All is well. And she would, her preschool teacher and kindergarten teacher, like I taught them this because I knew she was extra sensitive and, you know, empathic and she needed this tool. And they said it really seemed to calm her down. So it works with, you know, calming your nervous system, releasing the, um, the feelings that are causing you distress. And so I would say, start with that if the whole tapping is too much, but once you learn it, it's, it's pretty easy. It becomes second nature.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like when we talk to people about progressive muscle relaxation or diaphragmatic breathing, you know, again, you talk about it, you know, from this energy standpoint, I would probably talk about it in terms of the brain and cortisol and reducing, you know, cortisol and calming your central nervous system. We are saying, the same things. Okay. This is my last question to you. And it's a selfish question. It's just something that I've been wanting to know. When you are just like right now in conversation, or you're just, you know, shopping at a grocery store, you're just having your everyday moments. Do you have to have to actively work on like removing spirits talking to you? Like, do you have the ability to shut it off and turn it on? Like, how does that work for you?
1: Yeah. So I'm not that powerful. I can't turn them off. They're always there. Again, energy doesn't really die. It's just, it's there, but I tune it into it or I tune out of it. Mm. So I, the best analogy I like to tell people is you go to a restaurant and you're trying to have a conversation, but it's loud. You can hear the conversations next to you. You can hear overhead music in the background. You could easily tune into that or you can ignore it, tune it out and focus on the here and now. And so that's what I do. I turn the volume down. And when I go into readings, what I do is I tell spirit, okay, I'm putting an open for business sign on my crown chakra on my third eye. I'm like, go for it. But then at the end of the day, when I have, you know, I have a, I have a full life. We have six kids. I'm in a blended family. It's a lot. So I have to leave my work at the office. And so then I I literally do a prayer meditation with intention saying, spirit, go into a, I call it the golden waiting room. Okay. Wait there until I open up for business again, whenever that time is. So we always, and that's a really great tool for anybody. I'm not just talking about hearing dead people. This is also about managing energy around you. If you're you're an empath, you're sensitive. And the world is a very harsh, it can be sometimes a very uncomfortable place for those of us So you can really manage your energy by, with intention, putting and again, more tools, putting on what I like to call a gold bubble of light, getting spiritually dressed for your day. So we can all, you know, work with this energy, open up to it, close off to it. That's the gift of free will.
0: Yeah, I love that. Actually, I'm so glad because your answer does really relate, I think, to the theme of what we've been talking about, which is we can give energy to what we want to. We can listen to the naysayers. We can harp on the one negative comment or review, or we can choose to listen to our cheerleaders or listen to the positive feedback that we got. We tend right, to go to the one negative one we got or the maybe something that didn't go right that day. Um, and it's sort of the same thing. Like I talk about compartmentalizing a lot, being able to compartmentalize some of those things. I say sometimes just put it on a shelf. It's right here. I'm not telling you to close the door and I just put it on a shelf and pay attention to what you are giving energy to today. Just pay attention. I, I've even given people little homework assignments. Like I want you to notice for the next week, every time that you see a blue minivan, And they're like, what? And I'm like, I just want you to, I just when I see you next week or the next time I see you, I just want you to tell me. And inevitably they come back and say, oh my gosh, it was so weird. I saw so many blue minivans. Whatever we choose, we want to give our energy and our attention to, we will. And so I think it's really extremely powerful, um, you know, sort of cognitive retraining tool as well. I love that so much.
1: And I'll just add one more thing. What we focus on expands is what you're saying. And so- A tool I've learned, and I use it every day, is even though a million things, like you said, could go wrong or that one negative comment can ruin your day, name at the end of your day or the start of your day three things you're grateful for. Because gratitude is the highest frequency. That holds the power to shift you immediately when you go into sincere, authentic gratitude. It can be the littlest thing. Like, I have a warm, cozy bed on this freezing, snowy night. Like, how lucky am I? You know, you focus on... The gratitude, you expand more gratitude, more reasons to be grateful for in your life. That goes back to, again, the energy we put out there is what we're going to mirror back and attract back into our lives.
0: Yeah. Well, I could go on and on, but I will say the way I start my day every day, even when I'm having a hard time getting out of bed is attitude of gratitude. That's literally my mantra. That's how I, that's what gets me out of bed because a lot of times I don't want to, and then I'll just say, look what I get to do today. It started... For me when I had little, little babies and they'd wake up crying really early in the morning. And I was like, I just have to shift this because I'm a big sleeper and I don't <laughs> like to, I didn't like to get up early, but I just shifted my mentality to saying like, how lucky am I that I have a crying baby in this house that I have to get up to. Um That's an honor and a privilege. I just started shifting that. And I just started literally just saying every morning, attitude of gratitude. I need to walk yep. with gratitude. So Rebecca Rosen, What's Your Heaven? It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. For anyone listening, if you've enjoyed today's conversation, please rate, review, and subscribe to Dr. Charles Podcouch. I thank you so much for sharing your gifts with the world. Um, I know you were you were called to it. I thank you for listening to that calling and for doing it, for really quite a long time. I know that you change people's lives on a daily basis and you spread lots of love around the world. So thank you for what you do. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you. Likewise.